episode of the Cinemax Podcast, the show where we take different movies every episode and debate and rate them. Uh, it's been a while, as you can tell. We <laughs> haven't watched or changed clothes, fluffy bastards, and we're definitely not recording this immediately after the first episode. Um, but as it's New Year's, we've decided, we've looked at the movies we watched for the first time in 2023, and we decided to list our top 10. And now we're looking at the actual movies that came out this year that we enjoyed the most. And we've got our own top 10s of the best movies to come out of 2023. Um, full disclaimer right off the bat, we haven't seen everything. So there's yeah, some big I've... movies. And there's some movies that I've heard are great that I do want to watch, which we'll probably, I'll look back on and think should have been on my list, but I just haven't watched them yet. So I haven't watched Killers of the Flower Moon. Everybody's going on about Saltburn. Not watched that. No, I haven't. Thing is, for me, any movie that came out in the last couple of months, I haven't seen because I've been busy watching horror movies and Christmas films. So I missed out on a lot. I'll tell you right off the bat. Um, Which is because you said, I don't want to do, because we said, oh, we could record this one last week. He was like, I don't want to do it yet because I want, I want to fit some more films in. And did you? Not one. <laughs> well, actually, Aquaman 2. I watched Aquaman 2. Fucking hell. And did it make your list? Absolutely not. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I, I thought it was fine. Um, is it is it a fitting end to the DCEU? I mean, full of bag of shit in it towards the end. They just lost the plot. But I don't think it was the worst film in the DCEU. I don't think it was... No. People say it's terrible, but I don't think it is. I think it's a solid three stars. But, um, What's the worst film in the DCEU, Kel? Maybe Wonder Woman 84. That's bad, but it's not flash bad, is it? Give it a rest. That's not that bad. Wonder Woman uh, 84 is the worst. Probably the maybe the first Suicide Squad. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad, to be fair. Yeah. Still not flash bad, but I was going to, to be fair, I was going to say that number one is flash and then be like, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Flash isn't on my list. Spoilers alert, Flash isn't on my list. But before we get into that shite, we should probably introduce ourselves. Again. Um, again. Because, like I said, we're definitely not recording this straight after the last episode. Well, my name is Carl. I am one of your hosts. And joining me as he does every episode is Mr. Nathan Sackle Hanna. I got it right this time. I know. I went 0-2 in the last two episodes. No, I think. I had to sort this out. Um, yeah, Mr. I've changed my initials on my camera so you can fucking re be reminded and you still fucking forget. Yeah, well, look, mine says my full name. Maybe you have to put your full name in that mile. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. Um, um, how are you since we last spoke? Oh, since we last spoke, oh, a bit more tired. Uh, lots, got, lots happened. I've got a cat. That's just going crazy outside this fucking door. I literally had to just chuck it downstairs and give it some treat. Because if she doesn't get attention, she will literally run and jump at the door. You know, sounds like Eleanor. <laughs> oh, God. this is the last episode I ever do now. I'm gonna get my ass whooped. Um, but yeah, we've uh, we literally, like I said, we're calling these bats back. So. Not much has changed since last last year. How things were? You had a nice Christmas. Busy. Yeah, be right. Oh, did you have a nice New Year? Let's pretend like let's pretend like we, we've recorded and we've done. Did you well, yeah, New Year's Day, isn't it? Yeah. Did you have a good? What did you do? Go to bed at, watch some films, then fall asleep. I had a wild New Year's. Yeah, uh, I've actually New Year's Day. I'm actually working at eight a.m. So oh, yeah. my New Year's Eve. New Year's I Day is steady. Day off. I can't yeah, wait. Fuck all. Yeah, it's going to be a steady one for me, but. We might as well get straight into it then, because like I said, we've done all the cordial um, welcomings and 
pretending we care about what we've both been up to. Um, we've done all that shit already once today, so we might as well just stop beating around the bush and get into it. Top 10 movies of 2023. We've got films this year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Do you think, because last year there were some really good fucking films, um, do you think this, because obviously since the pandemic, it's been slowly coming back, do you think this year is better than last year or do you think it's taken a step back? I think, yeah, I do think this year is better than last year. I think probably not as many that I've been looking forward to, but more that it's taken me by surprise by how much I've liked them. Yeah. If that makes sense. There's not in terms of releases, there's probably there's been ones that I've been looking forward to that really shit the bed and I just didn't like. Uh, but everything that there's I watched more things this year that I wouldn't have usually watched and a lot more that I liked. So I do I do think in terms of the films, yeah, definitely better. Um but we I think we're missing out on a few like Ghostbusters and Dune that would have been this year due to strikes and stuff, which is a shame. Um, but yeah, and I think it's been a good year. Other than strikes and stuff, I think it's been a good year for films. Yeah, um, there's some really good stuff. There's obviously some big ones we've missed. So as we're about to name our top ten, we might as well say the ones like that I know I will I'll probably look back on and kick myself for not having them on. That's things like past lives, which mm. um, I've been wanting to watch since it came out earlier this year. And I actually started yesterday. I planned on watching it for this, and I was that tired because I was working eight till four yesterday. I've started eight like four days in a row. So me and early mornings don't mix well anyway. So I was struggling, and I started watching it last night. And I was like drifting off, so I paused it and went to get back to it. And I haven't yet, but I liked the first half an hour from what I saw. But I physically couldn't stay awake, so. Um, <laughs> and I know that's going to be one that I'm going to look back and think, "Fuck's sake, that should be on my list," but it's not um, because I haven't seen it. I don't know whether Napoleon will be, but I've not watched Napoleon. Um, oh not watched that. I haven't watched Saltburn. I haven't watched um, Anatomy of a Fall, which a lot of people are saying is. Oh yeah, that's I've not watched that. Um, haven't watched any of the recent blockbusters, so I haven't seen the new Hunger Games, I haven't seen Wonka, I haven't seen the Marvels, I haven't seen any of them. Mm. Um, essentially, anything that came out in the last few months, I just haven't seen. I've seen all three of those, none of them made the list. No, oh, so I didn't miss much. Yeah, um, but yeah, essentially, I think I've, I like to think I've watched most of the good stuff this year, so I think my list will be good anyway. I think the biggest thing that I really, really wanted to go watch uh, and missed was Killers of the Flower Moon. That's really the only one that I feel like I've missed this year. Mm. I still watched that. I saw Flash, so that's fine. Yeah, you've seen your number one. Yeah. <laughs> what a film that is. What a film. Oh, God. Um, we might as well get straight into it then. I'll go yeah. first this time because uh, you kicked things off in the last episode, so we'll switch it around now. Before we start, how many, have all, did all of your films release in cinema, or how, have you got any streaming exclusive films on there, just out of interest? Uh, so, Technic 1 is an absolute streaming one. Right. Uh, one had a very brief cinema showing before it went streaming. Um, one I didn't watch in the cinema, but... I think it was shown in select cinemas. I don't think it was in every cinema because it wasn't that big a film. Yeah. Um, but my number 10... Yeah, go. Start sorry, it. first of all, first of all, that was very rude of me. Have you got many streaming ones? Every single one of my films, even in my honourable mentions that I'm going to say before number one, had a cinema release. Yeah, okay. Um, I haven't even done honourable mentions for this one, but I can probably just 
come up with some off the top of my head. <laughs> my number 10 is it's very different to any other movie on this list, and that is a very, very gory horror movie. Some of my favourite type of movies, and it's Evil Dead Rise, because oh, I enjoy more than just disgusting, violent, just grotesque body horror. Like and The Evil Dead franchise obviously did it a lot back in the day, but because of these special effects back then, it was played for... It, it's aged more like now. Yeah, it's it's played for laughs, and you watch it now, and it, you, it's easy to not take it too seriously, which they clearly recognise with the second and third movies in the instalment. Um, and those movies went a lot more camp and played up to it. Whereas in the 2013 one, which I haven't seen, I know that went very gory and took, went down a much more serious road. And this one certainly did the exact same. But it switched things up with Evil Dead Rise. It's not in the cabin in the woods anymore. It's in like a block of flats during like a storm where there's like a blackout and they're stuck in the apartment. And the mum is take, possessed by some demon after her children open this book and do all the dodgy shit that the old, all the main characters do at the start of each one. And yeah. it's just disgusting. Like, we see people eating glass. We see people getting cheese grates to their legs. Yeah everything in this movie and it's not for the faint-hearted it's not a film i imagine eleanor will ever watch um but i it's just one you can sit back and have a good fucking time and i'll I, there's, there's a lot of movies that i really like but they're not the sort of movies that are re-watchable if that makes sense it's not like i can watch a movie and think that was brilliant but i'm not going to watch it 10 times in the next couple of years whereas this i could watch this every week like it's just fucking fun it is good uh the only thing that stops it from being on my list is that I was really kind of hoping some, for some continuation for the 2013 or some kind of tie into the originals. And they just kind of, again, just ignored the others and did their own thing. Uh, but it is a fucking great movie. I don't like it as much as... It's probably my least favourite of the Evil Deads, if we don't include the first one, because I never do, because the first one and the second one just remake. Um, but it's probably my least favourite. But that's like saying... You know, Return of the Jedi is my least favorite of the original original trilogy. Like, I still fucking love it, but it's uh, it's just not as up there as the other bizarre. Twenty thirteen is fucking br- brilliant, though. Um, I was hoping we'd get a little bit more continuation from that, but I did love Evil Dead Rise and the bit with the cheese grater. <laughs> yeah, for me, I've seen a couple of films recently where they've done it, and it's always cringed me out when they eat glass. Yeah. That shit fucking freaks me out, and I don't know why, because it's just horrific. Like, just well, you know think... It's because you know it's going to be fucking painful. <laughs> yeah, but like I know cheese grits leg's going to be painful. But it doesn't. It doesn't get me as much as glass in the mouth. Like no, nothing. Nothing I hate more in horror movies or action movies, and I'm going to put my legs up, is when they when they cut there, right there. Oh yeah, the Achilles. Oh yeah, I could have just described it rather than put me yeah. out. They show me your gammy toes. <laughs> have you ever seen Hostel? No. Because they do it in Hostel, they snip the back. And I used yeah. to have this thing when I was yeah, younger. It to me. I had this thing when I was younger called um, Achilles tendonitis. And it yeah. was where the back of my Achilles, if I did any form of exercise, like it would just really, really ache. And it was like a really dull pain. And I had to put cream on it for like a couple of months. And that was painful enough. I ain't having them snipped. No chance. <laughs> No fucking chance. Um, but yeah, Evil Dead Rise is a great film. Very rewatchable. So I'm kicking off my list with a very gory but fun horror movie. Uh, my number 10 is quite a recent one. Uh, it's a... Uh... First of all, before you say it, before you say it, 
How many films do you think we're going to have that the same? Do you think there's going to be much crossover? Oh, I will. I think... Oh, I can't Guess remember. a number. I'll guess a number as well. I can't remember how many you watched. I'm going to guess three. Ooh, um, I'm guessing four. Four? Yeah, I reckon we might have four that the same. I can't remember if you watched that one. I'm going to guess four as well. Let's see if we're right. Potentially five. Let's see if we're right. We've both got the same number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my number 10 is a re- pretty recent one. It's a sci fi movie about AI called The Creator. Uh, oh, so I never got around to watching that. Uh, Gareth Edwards, and I love him as a director. Anyway, he's the director of Rogue One and the um, Godzilla movie. Uh, it's it's just a really fucking good film. It's about AI and how like they get their own consciousness and um, they kind of then start to become hated and they're hunted and all that kind of stuff. And um, there's an attack. Um, they drop a nuclear bomb and. This kind of reap it's the repercussions of all of that. Um, but it's just it's another kind of really heartwarming story of like a neo-futuristic look at Earth with you know, it's it's another one of those, you know, robots taking over versus humans and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it plays it really weirdly where a lot of the robots just they don't want to fight, they want to live in peace. Um, and they've like set up religions and they've got like their own countries and um, they have like the discussions of soul and all that kind of stuff and then there's this kid who can do something that I'm not going to spoil which it's visually a beautiful film there's the design of the mechs the design of the uh, robots the design of the human looking robots the cities that they're in the action um, it's all designed and choreographed really really beautifully it comes together in this like really positive ending um there's also a, again a downbeat positive ending i'm starting to get a theme from the last episode of what kind of films i like films that made me feel like shit but also make me feel good about my life but it's it's such a such a good movie and i like any kind of sci-fi movie that kind of plays on those um futuristic designs and gives them a new twist and there's some some really good stuff in there uh, so I would fully recommend watching that especially if you're a sci-fi fan as well um, yeah. really really good I'm definitely uh, wanting to watch it I wanted, I wanted to watch it really loud just didn't find the time and you can tell it is um, Gareth Evans that does it because even on the poster what caught my eye is how similarly I thought it looked to Star Wars yeah. like, the design and stuff that was what caught my eye the first time because I didn't really know what it was and that's what I first noticed and the fact that it kind of came out around the time of like AI discussions in Hollywood and stuff like that, like really perfectly timed. So um, yeah, yeah, really, really good. Yeah, I'll definitely give that a watch. You've sold it to me. I mean, I was going to watch it anyway, but you've, yeah, we'll see. You've sold it to me. It's <laughs> um, so my number nine. Is it one that I didn't think would be on here? I didn't going into the year. I didn't think it wasn't one of the ones I was most excited for. And I think a large part of that is down to superhero fati- uh, fatigue. Yeah, I'd been disappointed by a couple in the build up, but. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 was fucking awesome. Um, I mean, I'd only I'd watched the first two when they came out, but they weren't ones I really rewatched. And then I watched the Christmas special last year and I loved it like a lot. I rewatched it this year. But um when I was when it came to Guardians 3, 
I rewatched the trilogy, um, the first two, sorry, with Eleanor. It was the first time she'd seen them. And rewatching them after everything else, it was like I got a newfound appreciation for the characters. And the way James Gunn, like the way he tells the story with those characters and the way he makes even the smallest, most insignificant comic book characters mean something to you. And the work he did with those characters throughout the entire franchise is just incredible. And it was the perfect, like the way he ended that story was incredible. Even starting it off with Adam Warlock's like awesome entrance when he first burst through and he starts kicking ass, I thought that was fantastic. The villain was the best out of the three Guardians villains, I thought. Um, Rocket's backstory was really well done. My only issue is no one died. They hinted a lot. There were different moments where it was like, is he going to die, is he going to die, is he going to die? I was like, you're fucking getting rid of one of them at least, Jesus. But outside of that, I think the endings that they gave the characters were all well done. I love the way Drax's story concluded. I love, I mean, I love Mantis anyway. Yeah. It's weird, but I'm kind of attracted to that alien. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, but like the whole, it, I don't know if it's my favourite Guardians film. It might be. And I think it, it once again uses music so fucking effectively. Um, yeah, dog days are overseen. It's incredible lives in my heart and this is a film that i'm going to speak about later so i don't want to talk about too much so that's the first one that we've got um oh, is it? but like at first when i first came out of it i agreed with you and was like do like somebody should have died but then after re-watching it a few times um i was like no it's perfect as is like if any of them died it would have felt like a cheap and easy way to do it the fact that you managed to get the, the same amount of emotional response through keeping everybody alive was was brilliant i think and gives me hope for that's this i think this film more than anything gives me hope for superman legacy oh don't i can't even talk to you about superman legacy (laughs) (laughs) you know as well as anyone how much superman fucking means to me like i am so excited for superman legacy um, I've got such high hopes and it's because James Gunn has done it. If he can do such a good job with characters I wasn't even aware of and make me care so much, I can't wait to see what he can do with the likes of Jimmy Olsen and Clark. Like, oh, fuck, I can't wait. Um, and also, before I finish talking about it, you'll probably mention it in your own, but that fight scene that they do in the, like, the corridor with everyone getting involved, it's so fucking well done. So, yeah, I think it was an important movie as well because, like I said, superhero fatigue was a real thing um, yeah, definitely. In 2022, I don't, I can't even remember. I mean, Love and Thunder fucking straight up sucked. Um, Ant Man in the early 23, I yeah. really didn't like. Other like, than obviously, other than Modok, the best character ever to grace our screen. That guy, fucking all. Um, but yeah, I'd really, it, I'd really grown tired of it. Even the DC side, we Shazam, and before that, Black Adam, like, oh, yeah, I just. I, I, I don't know. I think I needed Guardians 3 to come out when it did because otherwise I think I was close to packing it in altogether until yeah. Superman, obviously. Obviously. I'm, I'm still waiting for that. Um, but yeah, I think it, it came out the perfect time for me personally, like after the run of shite that we'd had and it and it only helps enforce that belief that I think DC's in very good hands now. It's sad that the DCU ended the way it did, but I think there's a silver lining the fact that James Gunn has shown he's incredible at handling these sorts of characters so yeah Guardians 3 what a perfect way for him to end his time with the MCU yeah agreed agreed and I'll talk about it more later on um, my number nine um, is it Darren Aronofsky 
I can't remember if it is who, who directed it, to be honest. I'm fucking terrible at my memory. But The Whale. That didn't come out this year. I'm sure it came out this year. Did it? Very beginning of this year. It, I think in the UK it came out at the beginning of this year. Don't make me doubt myself. No, uh, don't say that. Oh, because then I have to pick another number nine. Well, then I'll have to move created down to number nine and put something at number ten. <laughs> don't fucking do this to me. I'm pretty sure it came out this year. Oh, I thought maybe it came out last year. Did I just watch it this year? UK release. Ha! 3rd of February, 2023. Fuck you. I definitely watched that on some illegal streaming site because I watched it earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was 2022, which is why it's not on my list. I fucked up. That would be on my list, but it's not. Uh, no, that, that was it. When I said four or five, and I didn't know if you would have watched it, that was the one. Oh, I've watched it. I fucking loved it. Brendan Fraser means so much to me. Largely because of Scrubs, but... Um, yeah, well, obviously. In The Mummy. Um, no, a, a fucking beautiful film. Um, message in it, perfect. The cast, it's like four or five members of the cast and every single one of them is perfect in it. Um, it took until the very end of the movie to realise the the young lad is the kid from Iron Man 3. Um, I didn't realise the entire way through. Um, just a hot... An- <laughs> another heartbreaking film with a positive message at the end <laughs> and just a fucking glutton for punishment of me um, but that's one where it was like I need to watch, I don't, this isn't my usual kind of movie but I need to watch it because obviously everybody's talking about Brendan Fraser and uh, his comeback and yeah 100% worth, worth watching, it's so hard to watch at times it's, it's not gross in how he's depicted, but it kind of is. It, they kind of play like the the binge eating and stuff. Yeah, like you kind of supposed to feel sorry for him, but they also want you to feel grossed out by him. But then they also kind of make you want to feel bad for feeling grossed out by him. It's such a it's such a well filmed movie, and the fact that it's all in you know one location, um, the ending, even though it's a little weird, like it makes full sense. Uh, it's Sadie Sink, um, brilliant. Like obviously coming out of Stranger Things and going into this, like what a fucking what a fucking role to jump into. Um, definitely throwing her out there even more. Um, but yeah, it's Brendan Fraser's movie, and he is just probably one of the better performances of the entire year alone. Um, but yeah, what a great movie! And I imagine you'd be having similar things to say if you realised that you were in a fucking pirate. You know, the thing is, I didn't put um, Fableman or Babylon on this list either because they both came out in 2023 in the UK. And because of that, I didn't put them on. I missed some good ones out here. Um, oh, wait, no, that was why I missed them off the last one. Yeah. But I could have yeah. put them on this one now, thinking about it. You could have put them on this one, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> so the reason I left them off the last one is because the. the tech- you're going to be doing some. You're going to be doing some live changing of your uh, scores. The reason I didn't put them on the last one is because they came out in 2023, technically here. And the reason I haven't put them on this one is because I thought because they, t- they came out. Fuck's sake. Well, I really like the whale as well. Um, the, even the trailer before I watched it made me tear up, and that yeah. goes to show how much of an emotional wreck I am. But also how moving that movie was and the, the, the entire narrative around Brendan Fraser and his comeback and the incredible performance he gives. It, 
it was a must watch for me and it did it lived up to the expectations and he was incredible and I'm so happy he won the Oscar for it um, but yeah I thought it came out last year that's an honourable mention for me then was The Whale which I'll just <laughs> now my number eight is a documentary which Ooh. also had me in tears um, it's the first doc it's the first technically movie review I ever did um, and I did it for Agents of Fandom and that is the still the Michael J. Fox story documentary oh, yeah, yeah. released on Apple earlier this year um, because, like I said, Back to the Future is my favourite film. And Michael J. Fox as a person and Martin McFly as a character just means so much to me. And his battle with Parkinson's, it's it's something that's been so well documented over the years, like in interviews and stuff. And you always see clips of how he's struggling with it. And I think for Christmas last year, I got a book um, from, I think, my sister. And it was like an autobiography about him and just like his daily life dealing with it and like the exercises he has to go through and the therapy and stuff. And I read that and it was quite, it was brilliant time because I read that. And then a couple of months later, they announced this documentary. I mean, I'd have watched it anyway, but because I'd got this insight beforehand and I knew a bit of what to expect, it made me so much more interested. And the way the documentary is told and the, the different clips we see from certain parts of his career um, and the reenactments of certain stuff using like, obviously like body doubles to, um, replace him interspersed with like him talking about his experiences and even seeing like clips of him going through the exercise with his legs and like there's a clip where he's walking down the street with his like um I can't remember what they're called like his physiotherapist and he's doing the walk and a, a random like civilian notices it's Michael J Fox so she shouts like oh Michael J Fox and as he looks to see it it's like that one moment of losing concentration it called like he's he has to be 100 percent focused on moving his feet and the minute he looks see what it is he collapses because he's like he loses that concentration it's so like it's such a tragic story but the way they tell it and the way you see like he, the way he overcomes these things and the way he remains positive despite all of his setbacks i mean even if he wasn't an actor that i had such a sweet like affection for i think it still would have been a really moving documentary but because of who it was and because of how much he means to me I, it fucking I was in bits for like 90% of it like I was in I was such an emotional wreck watching it um, but I love it so much and it's something that I will revisit a lot I think um, but yeah that was straight to Apple so that wasn't yeah we've only just got Apple TV we got it because I wanted to watch the Godzilla TV show and then watch one episode of that and watch the entirety of Ted Lasso instead. But I keep getting like that has been recommended to me instead uh, as well. Uh, so that's on the watch list because I've you've said before it's it's good, um, but definitely want to give that one a watch. Yeah, I it's it's wonderful. So yeah, I had to get it on there. Um, it is a documentary though, which isn't the sort of movies I usually watch. So that's probably why it's not higher. Um, but I did really enjoy it still. So I've squeezed it on there at number eight. Nice. My number eight is an anime. One of one, two, one of three animated films on this list. Well, this one's the the only anime, and it's um, a film called Suzumi, uh, or Suzume, um, and it's a, a Mikato Shinkai movie. Which is he's I don't know if I know you're not a big anime guy, so Dragon Ball Z is probably about as far as I went. <laughs> um, it's. Well, for anybody who does know, he does. He did Your Name and Weathering with You, which is two absolutely stunningly beautiful movies that 
do nothing but break your heart. Um, they are fucking brilliant. So he had a new one released this year. It's about a it's about a girl who meets uh, someone. These disasters going around Tokyo and in Japan in general, and um, these these mysterious. It's very Japanese. It's very anime. Um, these mysterious doors that she falls into and helps. Uh, try and avoid like these um, catastrophes and colossal like tornadoes and earthquakes and all this kind of stuff. And it's all very mystical, mixed with the um, mixed with the like the kind of beauty of uh, Japan and the imagery of Japan. And um, there's a bit where the guy she meets gets turned into a walking, talking chair, uh, and that's a big plot point in the movie. It's it's see, it sounds really weird, but once you watch it, it all comes together in a really beautiful way. But it is. I like, I mean, I do like a lot of anime, um, specifically these kind of movies that are a bit different rather than the Dragon Ball. I mean, I do like Dragon Ball Z, but um, that kind of stuff. Um, but it is, the uh, Shinkai movies are always beautiful. They always spend a lot of time on like scenery, landscapes, streets, and just just um, the aesthetic of it all. And they are beautiful, but this one is by far the, by far the most um, pleasing to look at. The animation is so fucking smooth. It's I don't get how they can do it so so smooth and how they can get things to just look as magical as like even something like a bowl of noodles or just a street with a car and it just look magical and it, it just does. Um, but it's it's just a beautiful movie and I recommend anybody who likes anime to watch it because it again it's another one that that breaks your heart but just really joyous to watch the entire way through even when like the world's crumbling it's just really joyous to watch the entire way through so that's Suzume sounds good you're, you're like great anime whatever <laughs> no I, just, I don't have an issue with anime um I've been meaning to watch the the older ones like is it my neighbor Totoro yeah the Studio Ghibli ones are they are they classes anime yeah yeah is um the red turtle anime yeah I've watched that it's worth that for college. Um, that was fine, but like my anime experience is Dragon Ball Z, Yu Gi Oh, Yu Gi Oh GX, Pokemon, <laughs> all the good stuff. Um, but I do want to watch more because, like I said, I'm watching more films now, and I don't want to just limit limit myself to a certain area. Like I like mm-hmm. to just ex- watch everything I can. So anime is something I am wanting to watch. I think when you say anime to people that don't watch anime, they assume like. Dragon Ball Z and people screaming for two, three episodes and then finally shooting one attack that misses and stuff like that. But there's so much Goku, good... Goku love doing that shit against Big Freezer. There's so much good, especially like old anime that's just really good. Like um, obviously Akira is the big one. Ghost in the Shell is another big one that I absolutely adore. Uh, Perfect Blue. Uh, but the Hayao Miyazaki ones or the Studio Ghibli ones... Um, but Shinkai ones is, is so like down to earth with a mystical element every single time. Uh, Your Name is probably one of my favourite films of all time, favourite animes of all time. That's that's a f- great movie. Um, so I give that a watch as well. And this is Suzume's one of his uh, films. And they're all kind of tangentially connected as well. So yeah, I give it. A, I'd give it a watch. I'll give you some good recommendations if you want to get into anime. I won't give you the shit. Yeah, I mean, unless you, want, unless you want sick fights and then watch Dragon Ball Z Broly. <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen all the Dragon Ball Z stuff. I watched. I watched uh, Resurrection F. I'll watch the ball. I used to love that shit. Dragon Ball Z was my jam for a long time. Um, there's one. I mean, I've not seen it, but I remember someone that used, I used to work with who left the cinema before I did. 
he told me about one because there's a certain song that was on the playlist at work, and he said it's that one where that's your name, yeah. The one where the two, is it the two people who swap places or bodies or something? Yeah, yeah. He explained that one, and that sounded like worth watching. That's your name, and that's the one that's probably one of my favorite films of all time. And to be fair, if it's the person I'm thinking of, I hate myself, but <laughs> it is one of my favorite films of all time, and there's a moment in it that I've watched that film three times now and I'm, we're watching it again in the new year because we're going to watch the the trilogy because when the, this one comes out on Blu-ray and every time I've watched that one, there's a moment in it and I just fucking, I'm, I'm gone. I'm fucking joking up thinking about it. Are you going to mock me for fucking A Star Is Born and here you are. <laughs> Crying over some cartoons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, soon change your tone now. Um, but no, I do want to watch more, but as you can imagine, there were none on my list. Um, <laughs> my number seven is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which I fucking loved. I said it in the last episode. This year was the year I really got into all the Mission Impossible movies because I'd never watched a single one. And I started the very first one I watched in January and I went and I didn't watch them all at once. It was a it was a steady I brought them up like throughout the months until Dead Reckoning came out. Um, and Ghost Protocol was the one that I really, really enjoyed. But I think the entire franchise, apart from maybe two, which was a bit disappointing, is just incredible. Whoa. Come on now, two is rough. Two is rough. It is, it is rough, but it's got a certain charm to it. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, I think the, the addition of people like Rebecca Ferguson later on really, really helps the franchise. Same with Simon Pegg, who was also back in Dead Reckoning. You've got um, well, yeah, Hayley Atwell's in it. She's great in it as well. She's really fucking good. Um, what's what is it? Oh, shit, how do you pronounce her name? The woman that plays Mantis, Tom Clementine. That's the one. Oh my god, I was <laughs> fucking I cried just watching her on the screen. I was so I was in love. She's incredible. The entire cast in that movie is incredible. Um, I think they all do a really good job. Even the villain, I can't remember his first name. Um, in real life, I know he's, I think his last name is Morales because he played Deathstroke in the Titans TV show, and I can't remember his name now. But he plays the villain, um, and he was really well, uh, really good. The stunts, it's again taking uh, things up a notch with the mo- the motorbike off the cliff and the train sequences. Um, the scene in Venice is incredible. Yeah. I knew what was coming, but I was still fucking like terrified. Like it was all so well done. Um, it's probably not my favourite Mission Impossible movie. I think that's probably still Ghost Protocol, but it's crazy that we're on the seventh instalment in a franchise and it's still this good. Yeah. Like, usually, when it's a story like this and it's the same main character all the way through, usually you're beating a dead horse by the time you get to, like, a seventh, but this shit is still fucking awesome and I'm really excited for part two, which they fucking did his day because originally it was supposed to come out like this next year, but they've pushed it back, I think, now. So Because um, the strikes. Yeah. But, what's impressive with this one is it was a lot of it was done through COVID and stuff. So yeah, and like some like the stuff like with the the uh, the technology that they were using, it feels very relevant to today. Where like um, Another the main threat was like the cyber like virus and the way that was used, and with AI and stuff. Similarly to like you said, the creator, it feels like that is more relevant now than ever. So I think that came at the right time. And Tom Cruise is sixty years old and he looks younger than me. So I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I appreciate whatever it is he keeps doing. And I love seeing uh, Ving Rhames show up again. He's great. He just like, his role is like 
like just decreased with each one because he's he's not kept himself in shape. So he doesn't get to do any of the cool stuff anyway. Just shows up and says a few lines and then that's that. But I love him every time he shows up. So yeah, Mission Impossible Seven I really enjoyed and I'm glad I got into the franchise. That made my list. Yeah, I, I, it's on my honourable mentions because I do did really really love it. But after Fallout, I felt like it wasn't as it wasn't as up there, especially after Top Gun as well because we had like it was Fallout. The uh, Top Gun and then this. I felt like Top Gun was such a fucking high that I was so excited for it. And I think my own excitement kind of let the film down a bit because um, I don't think anything can kind of top Top Gun and Fallout for me in terms of that. Those kind of, but it's still really, really the train, all that train sequence, fucking brilliant. Yeah. And like you said a minute ago, Hayley Atwell is an incredible addition to the. Yes. Last, so, um, so many things I could say about Hayley Atwell that I'm not going to. That's me and my girl, Pom. Fucking love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a fucking Top Gun Maverick. Like, what the fuck happened there? Why was that so fucking good and successful? Like, because I don't think Dead Reckoning made much money at all. Like, I think it was like the lowest taken uh, Mission Impossible movie, I think. It's sad, but great film. Um, looking forward to the next one. So I had to get it on my list at number seven. Quite fitting, actually. Mission Impossible 7 was at number seven. Didn't realise that. My number seven is another Japanese movie that I watched a week or so ago. Fucking Godzilla minus one. What a fucking movie. I've heard really good stuff about that. It's it's the first Japanese Godzilla movie I've watched, um, which I think, I don't know how I'm going to feel going back and watching the other ones now, but it's the first Japanese ones I've watched. Obviously, I really love the... Uh, the American-made ones with Gareth Edwards and onwards. One with Matthew Broderick? No, not that one. Um, no, sorry. Yeah, the most recent ones, should I say. Uh, <laughs> not, not the Matthew Broderick one. Though I did love that as a kid, so I can't shit on it too much. Um, and I have got a, I have got a making-of book for the original Godzilla movie, which is actually really fucking interesting because they, did, they had so much stuff that they just didn't do. But I digress. Godzilla Minus One is a fucking brilliant movie. It's... The only Godzilla movie that I've watched where I actually care about the humans and I want more time with the humans to understand their story. But let's be honest, when Godzilla comes in, is it like I said, he's a giant fucking lizard. He's fucking beautiful. And when he comes in, his design's perfect. The the scenes with him are perfect. The action, while it's it doesn't have the budget of the American movies or most movies, what it did with the money is spot on and it looks brilliant. The the monster action is only the it's only Godzilla. There's no other monsters, but when he fucking kicks off, he kicks off. There's some right brutal scenes in it. Um, that's not a proper comment. Then the right brutal. Uh, there's some right brutal scenes in it. Uh, when he does it, it, his atomic breath and shoots it out, that bl- full pun intended blew me away. Um, the ending made me shed a tear. Um, how they handle Godzilla. It's a period piece, so it's set just after the war, so it's got like a really good message of it, of it as well. The story throughout really just pulls at your heartstrings. Even the like bits with Godzilla, like the the effects and how he you know, like kind of heals and stuff, really, really well done. It opens itself up for a sequel, which I'm really looking forward to. But if anybody's a Godzilla fan or not a Godzilla fan and wants to jump in, I think minus one is 100% the best. Whereas the American films have kind of gone a bit more like, let's just have fun 
and let's have Godzilla running next to Kong with a mechanical arm and fucking beating the shit out of things and looking cool and just going all neon and shit. This one I've, uh, is definitely a lot more down to earth and takes itself a lot more seriously and it's fucking brilliant. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it, but it, it's a really good jumping in point for um, Japanese Godzilla. Cool. I mean, I've not watched it, but I was thinking about watching it, so I might as well give it a try. You sound so fucking disinterested. I could do a massive speech about how great it's like, cool, might watch it, whatever. <laughs> no, like, I've never, I've never really been a big Godzilla guy, you know. I think, I don't even think I've seen the actual Godzilla films. I think the only film of Godzilla I've seen, I saw the Matthew Broderick one as a kid because we had it on VHS, and then I saw the Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't think I've seen any other Godzilla movie, ever. Did we not watch Godzilla earlier this year? I went there. Ah, okay. Um, No, I've watched Godzilla vs. Kong when that came out. Yeah, we watched that, yeah. But that's it. I've never really been too big on him, but I've heard very, very good stuff about this new one. So it is something that I'm planning on watching at some point. It's good. It feels, well, I don't know. I've been told um, it feels like a modern version of the old films rather than something modern, Mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, But it's really, really good. Yeah, cool. I mean, I the, my favourite thing about Godzilla is watching a friend of ours review some of the most random Godzilla shit I've ever seen in my entire life, like Godzilla versus former NBA player Charles Barkley. So, so we're starting off 2024 with a Dan shout-out. I don't think anything will live up to that. Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, is, it does sound good. It's something I am wanting to watch. Um, my number six couldn't be more different than that <laughs> and that is the film are you there god it's me margaret oh, okay which is a coming of age story again one of my favorite genres um set in the 70s it's based on a book by a woman whose name escapes me because i've never read it it's something i want to double check it's something blue are you gonna look is it judy bloom it might be judy bloom that rings a bell but um, it's about a girl who is forced and moved from her home to a suburban area with her mum and dad. And she yeah. has a close... Judy Bloom, is that the one? Yeah, I knew it was Bloom. I just couldn't remember the first name. Um, but she's forced to move away from her grandmother, who she shares a really close bond with. And I think they live in the city at the beginning and they end up in like this suburban area. And it's about how this girl adapts there and like gets used to her new surroundings. She, becomes, she gets a new group of friends. I think she's supposed to be like 10 or 11. And it's just about her, like, coming of age and, like, doing stuff that girls at that age did. Like, um, they think they have, like, the, the, the first, like, periods and they go to the shop and they have to buy pads. And there's a scene where they're praying that the person working the cashier till is a woman. And then it's this, and then it cuts to it and it's this teenage boy just giving him the biggest <laughs> dead eye as he's scanning it. Um, it's brilliant. And the little girl in it is called Abby Ryder Fortson. And I don't think I've seen her in anything else. But for a child actress, she's fucking incredible. It's so well done, and the way the movie deals with like teenage crushes and trying, like trying to fit in with your friends, and even if that means compromising who you are and trying to fit in by changing and not staying true to yourself. Um, but it also what I think makes the movie so good for me is it juggles that alongside her mother's issues. Like the dad is 
he's not like a bad dad or anything, but he's so busy with work, he's very rarely around. And it shows the mum struggling to adapt to this new area as well. And she's trying to take too much on. Like, there's a scene when they go to like the school and they're, they're running all these different societies and they're asking for volunteers to help. And she like ends up volunteering for so many different ones because she doesn't want to say no. And she's played by one of my biggest crushes of all time, who does a fantastic job. And that's Rachel McAdams, who oh, yeah. I am in love with. Like, that woman can do no wrong for me. Um, she's incredible in it. Um, the the grandmother is played by Kathy Bates, I believe, and she's incredible. Just the entire cast is just unbelievable, and the movie's so heartwarming. And it's one I'd recommend to most people because even if it's not like your cup of tea, I think there's something there for everyone. And it's funny, it's emotional, it's moving. It it really surprised me how much I enjoyed it because, con- like, you might not you might be shocked to know this, but I have never been a teenage girl, so. Uh, there's not much I can relate to with the main character but even though a large part of the like story is about her dealing with things that young girls do there is a sense of like familiarity with all children like the stuff isn't you like there are obviously there's moments where her and her friends are doing very certain dances while singing because they think it'll increase the size of their chest area um but there's all, like I said, the stuff with like teenage crushes and fitting in with people and changing who you are to do so. Like, it's a universal feeling for all children. And it really reminded me of being a kid because I moved quite a few times as a child. I think we moved like, I moved schools four times. Um, it was literally back and forth. I went from one place to the next, then back, then back. Um, and having to just get used to different people every time, it's something that resonates with me. So it's a fucking brilliant movie. And Rachel McCallum's. Apologies to Eleanor in advance. Rachel McAdams is the love of my life, so <laughs> that woman can do no wrong. Uh, so I love that film. I recommend it to anyone. It's on Amazon Prime if you haven't watched it already. Do so because it's sick. I didn't expect that one. It's great. I didn't expect it either, but it's one of those films I've watched, and it's one that I've thought like because I watched it maybe like April, but it's one I've thought about like a lot since, and it's something I want to rewatch. Um, so comparing it to some of the films that are on this list, it's a, it is a surprising one because that's one that I don't know if it was in cinemas. And I think if it was, it weren't. It was only in select because it wasn't big. But I watched it on streaming, and I'm so glad I did. My number six is actually quite similar to yours. Your number six. Uh, my number six is John Wick Four. <laughs> 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 in the slightest um and i don't know if you about you but i've never experienced being uh keanu reeves but what a fuck have you seen john have you seen any of the john wicks not one fucking you are missing out well i've said this to you before and keanu reeves isn't a big thing for me and i've said this to you before i don't give a fuck what's john wick he only talks in him it's just action yeah well that trailer for the new one he did speak and i was like what the fuck is happening why is he talking like he's on drugs, he speaks very minimally in the in all films, and that's a conscious decision on his part. I know, especially for the last one, he speaks minimally because he wants to appeal to larger audiences. So he doesn't have as many words, so he can be watched around the world, and people can like be into I've it. Around titles before, fucking get a grip, John. <laughs> Speak. But I mean, I love the John Wick. All the John Wick movies are fucking great. And every single one of them ramps up the action. And this one is 100% pure adrenaline all the time, constantly. 
the action is the best it's been in all the series. It's frenetic, it's fast constantly. These, I don't think there's ever a, like a 30 second gap where a gun's not been shot. It's, oh, I don't know how to talk about it without just coming because it's just fucking excellent. It's just fucking hell, that took a turn. <laughs> It's the best action. If I can get through talking about Rachel McAdams, then you <laughs> no, no. Do you know what John Wick is love? Yeah, <laughs> the action is non-stop. There's a bit that takes place. It opens up in Egypt. It take there's a bit that takes place in Tokyo. The majority of it takes place in France. Um, it's just it's a fitting end, and it can easily continue if it wants to. Um, and it's just. Every character's great in it. Not many, it's not like the best acting you're ever gonna see. It's not like the deepest roles. I think it's Lance Reddick's final role as well. Um, which was I mean, he and he went out great. Um but the action is I don't care about the performance. It's one of those films where I don't care if the performances are shit, I don't care if the the story doesn't make sense, I don't care if the dialogue's a bit fucking iffy, which I mean I like all of those things in this film anyway. But it's the action, and the action is peak to say what the kids say. It's peak. Um, it's a fantastic movie. It's it's just brilliant. And the fact that you won't watch John Wick because you think you don't like Keanu Reeves is a tragedy. Tragedy. And you need to get a fucking watch now. Now, Make- I never said I never said I won't watch them. I just I haven't bothered. Just watch him, Cal. Just fucking watch him. And if there's anything that's going to tempt you into watching him. The spin-off for John Wick uh, that's tied into the movies uh, will star Anna de Armas. So yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, brilliant, brilliant movie, and it's just so fast-paced. It's brilliant. So you said you're not interested in the dialogue or anything, just the action. So I imagine Fast X will be next up on your list. <laughs> <laughs> fast X did not make my list. Not didn't even make my honorable mentions. More than Jason Momoa's character, the rest of that is easily forgettable. Yeah. Um, no, see, the thing is, I like Keanu Reeves in uh, Speed. I liked him in The Devil's Advocate. But even in, like, Point Blank, his character is, like, his acting's not the best. Point Blank. What did I say? Point Blank. Point Blank. Fuck's Point Blank. Oh, that's a Alex Ryder novel that I read years ago. <laughs> Yeah, Point Break. He, he's and even and in like Bill and Ted, it feels like that fit because he was like a stoner, but it feels like he's had the same voice and everything since. It's like it's weird, but I mean, he seems like a lovely man. Um, and I will probably watch John Wick at some point because I've heard so many good things about the action set pieces and stuff. So I will watch John Wick with you. Cool, and then I'll let you know my thoughts immediately. It's just almost not like I'm sat there next to you like this, watching you, watching the screen. So it's not like a Princess Bride situation because fucking yeah, I like ten ugly. That shit. Right. Uh, so my number five is almost similar. Oh, it's fine. about it's about a killer. Oh, is it called the killer? killer. <laughs> and this is a film that is a a Netflix movie, but they did show it in cinemas very for a very limited time, and only select cinemas. And I was lucky enough that I went to watch it in Nottingham at a cinema there, and getting to watch it on the big screen, I'm so glad I did, because it's incredible. It's um, Michael Fassbender playing this 
like bounty hunter assassin type character who is usually so bang on at his job and the way he approaches his like kills essentially so methodical and he never puts the toe out of line and this one time something goes wrong and he hits the wrong person and it's like how he deals with the aftermath and um, the big fallout from it and the way that like reverberates to his loved ones and dealing with that and then he goes after certain people that have wronged him because of it and it's just watching him essentially just like clean up his own mess and he goes around and he sorts it out with all these different people he's fucking incredible um i i love his performance in that film it feels so like subdued there's he's not got much dialogue um tilda swinton's also in it and she's incredible um I don't know why the, the David Fincher, the director, I can't believe I forgot his name from it then. He's one of my favorite directors. Like I love uh, Seven and stuff like that. I've just realized in the last episode, I said Ben Affleck directed Gone Girl and he didn't. It was David Fincher. I've literally just realized that now. I, I, didn't, like, I didn't clock on either. He was just in it. Yeah, he was in it. He didn't direct it. David Fincher did. So yeah, I said that in the last episode. I've just remembered it was Fincher now. But like the social network, incredible. Yeah. Uh, Zodiac is insane like David yeah. Fincher has got some incredible movies and this one it's not quite up there with his best but it's a really good movie that I really really enjoyed um, the fight sequences are so realistic in the sense that every punch feels like there's weight behind it there's no insane martial arts it's just like like real gritty fighting like oh yeah there's none of that there's none of that in, not in the fourth one the fourth one just goes, let's fuck it, let's just have fun. The most choreographed shit you've ever seen. The first one is fucking brutal, though, and, like, realistically brutal, but sorry, continue. Yeah, but that's what this is like. That There's a scene when he, he's, he he sneaks into this, like, big muscly man's house, and then the guy spears him from behind, and it's, like, the way they fight, and, like, it feels like there's there's actually some serious implications coming from the fight scenes. Like, in a lot of movies, people fight and they just walk off like nothing's happened, whereas this, you feel like, each blow is going to fucking take somebody, out, take somebody out of him. And it's just so well done. And like all the stunts are incredible. The violence is quite shocking, actually. Like a lot of it you don't see coming. And um, it's really effective what Michael Fassbender's character does. And I said in my letterbox review, it's like Sheldon Cooper, if he was like a fucking assassin, because that's what his character is. He's so like such a perfectionist. And people have said it's, um, it's essentially like a piss take that David Finch is playing on himself for like how obsessed he has been in the past with his movies. Cause the people have said he's got, he's really anal about stuff like that needs to be there. You need to do this. And it's like him almost mocking himself for that with this character and how this guy can be such a perfectionist and things still go wrong, but it's an incredible movie and definitely worth watching. And it's on Netflix now. So I recommend that. Yeah. That's one that if I'm like, I want to watch it. I couldn't get to see it at the cinema. Um, Cause you didn't invite me. And then, <laughs> Hey, I went driving. That was all Bernie. I've got a car. Yeah, but Bernie drove. I can still drive and meet, whatever. <laughs> Bernie can pick you up. That's fine. You want to be friends with me on here, but not outside of here. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I went to watch Scarface, didn't I? You what? I went to watch Scarface, didn't I? That's true. I was surprised you were when it was seen out in public with me. But the, the, it was the weird that you had your hood up the entire time and once speak to him. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of them that I've been trying to. Like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna carve out time for it on and watch it. But I, with it being as busy as as we've both been, and like I've been busy, it's just like 
when I've been wanting to watch films, I've been wanting to watch uplifting stuff that I don't need to use my brain for. And I know that I want to give that some attention. Maybe that'll be a New Year's Day film. I don't know. But I'm probably just going to rewatch all the John Wicks on New Year's Day now instead. So. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely watch it, though. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah. I really enjoy it. I recommend it to anyone. But yeah, that's my number five. So we're in the top oh, half now. No, my number five is <laughs> not a serious movie in the slightest, but uh, it's Across the Spider-Verse. Um, which it being at number five is quite shocking because I love that movie. That's the second one. Okay, 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 okay. Um, first of all, can I just quickly say this is my number four, so we might as well just discuss this together as because otherwise you're going to finish, then I'm going to go right in so far again. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I mean, not a hair wrong in this movie, it 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 picks up from the last movie crap like really well it introduces a lot the fact they introduced like it starts off with Gwen Stacy and her world rather than jumping straight into Miles is like I think it's a really good move um every character that's introduced is just spot on like even if they're very different from the comics like I just love them all Miguel great uh my favorite being Scarlet Spider I love him so much just the fact that he embodies the dark broodiness of the 90s um the returning characters, Miles. Well, Scarlet Spider's uh, Ben Riley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. By, is it and Andy Sandberg? Andy Sandberg yeah, yeah, who I just love in everything anyway. Um, uh, just so much more Easter eggs, callbacks, all the different Spider-Men, like the blinking you'll miss it moments, the Lego Spider-Man moment, you know, just having all of that. I, I have my issues with multiverse stories, which is why I'm getting a bit... Um, superhero fatigues because I'm kind of tired of multiverse stories and I don't like the way a lot of them do it um, especially Marvel at the moment where it's a lot of winking to the camera and bringing back old actors and winking to the camera even more um, but You like the Flash though, didn't you? Huh? You like the Flash's way yeah, of doing it, yeah. and, um, But Across the Spider-Verse just does it really, really well um, He manages to have all of those wink and nods but plays them both plays them for laughs and puts them as part of the story. Um, but the, the thing that works for it is that it doesn't forget the main story. It doesn't forget the heart of the story. To, it doesn't do that to sacrifice. It doesn't sacrifice that to wink at the camera anytime. It just continually builds and builds. And what it's one of those films like you probably should have seen the ending coming. Um, and on a second rewatch, you're like, oh, fuck, how did I not realise that? Uh, but it's so well done and I'm so upset that we're probably going to have to wait longer for the sequel but the art style is cranked up to like a million the spot, uh, a great like one of those villains that nobody cares about and is now going to be like probably a big thing in Marvel forever now because they just utilise him so well um, I, don't, I, can't, I can't talk more about how much I love the Spider-Verse, the music the, the action, the, the art style the phoneticness of it all just just beautiful to watch yeah do you know what the thing is i want to talk about the art in a minute but that's interesting that you just mentioned there because so much focus is put on the animation style and i don't think anywhere near enough focus is put on just how good the score is yeah it's so fucking good and i don't think people really respect that enough because it's so effective um but in terms of the animation i think it's a testament to how good the movie is that we watched the first one. We loved the first one. But this one came back and it was just as good because for me personally, there was a sense of, right, we've seen it now. Is 
like the animation was different yeah we appreciate that but now that it, like that trick's worn off is it going to be as effective now that we've already seen this animation before and this, they found a way to completely reinvent it and make it like completely fresh again and it's so good um oscar isaac's fucking fantastic oh always <laughs> yeah i can't remember the last time he did something bad like oscar isaac is brilliant i love him so much he's like fantastic as miguel i love the entire cast really um Gwen Stacy's an incredible character. Obviously, you got Miles, who's fantastic. Peter, who didn't, whose role wasn't as big in this one as I'd like it to be. Um, yeah. He was fantastic in the first one. I don't think I think he took a step back, but hopefully, that's to set up him coming back in the next one. Now that he's back on Miles's side and they've all teamed up and stuff. Um, but yeah, the ending I didn't see coming. But yeah, like you said, it does make sense. It's just a shame that that one was supposed to come out. The next one was supposed to come out in like four months now. Yeah, and it's not. Four months probably like not. a year or two now. Oh. <clears throat> okay. I like, with the art style, I like that each, like, obviously it's been talked to to death, but like Gwen's world is very emotional. So the colours around her react to the to her moods and like the um, Mumbatan, the uh, Indian um, universe. And it's just so like crammed and like hand-drawn and like really like detailed but messy at the same time and then you go to the spider society in in the 2099 universe and it's all that like pulp futuristic kind of how people thought the future would look in the 50s kind of thing and all of them are beautiful and then you go to like miles's world which we've seen but then you go to the alternate miles's world and it's like the same but fucking like as if it was fucking a robocop movie just looks like fucked up um, just every like everything they do, they just like each character having a different style. Uh, each character, like Spider Punk, the standout character of the movie. Oh, you can't see him on camera, but he's stood right there. Um, the standout character of the movie, like just the fact that his animation changed every step. Just, oh, it's just such a great movie. Yeah, they've really like reinvigorated what animation can do. And I don't know if you've got it on your list. I imagine you do because it's your most watched movie, but no spoilers. But like you said, this sort of thing, it feels like it's a direct influence to what we've seen since with like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't think they'd have been so brave and creative with that if we hadn't seen it already. Oh, yeah, 100%. They wouldn't have gone. Well, it's like same with the Puss in Boots movie. Like they tried a different animation style with that. And like I think people are taking more risks now they know that they can and get away with it. I mean, Disney tried it with Wish and it didn't quite work as well, trying to do something different. But I think people are being a bit more ballsy to do something that just strikes different visually rather than the usual DreamWorks. Like, Yeah, because I don't know about you, but I'm fucking sick and tired of that 3D yeah. DreamWorks vibe. Yeah. It was impressive at first, way back when, but fuck me, let's change it up. Yeah. Like, even Disney, like, Moana, Tangled and Frozen all have the same style. Um, even to a degree, um, like Big Hero 6 and stuff, they all look the same. Let's, let's mix it up a bit now. Let's do something different, and we can. And just, just let's 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 keep doing that. And yeah, I'm a big proponent for bringing back 2D animation, like the hand yeah, style. So, yeah, I love Spider Man. We've both spoken about it enough there because it was your number five, my number four. No, so I get to, I get to speak. I get to talk again, do I? Yeah, it's good to your number four now. Well, that's fine because we've already pretty much talked about my number four, which is Guardians of the Galaxy three. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Really, really love that movie. It's the last superhero technical movie on my on my list, um, but it is the number one superhero movie of this year for me. Um, everything you've said and more. Um, I really love that what James Gunn did with. Um, 
Gamora, given that he didn't have control over what happened to her in the last two movies, and the ending that he gave her, like it wasn't an ending that he wanted to have, uh, and he still managed to give it a, like the like probably the best ending out of all the characters, and then Drax and the dog days are overseen will never never not get to me. Uh, I absolutely love it. Uh, the soundtrack again, um, beautiful. Um, and like I said before, I like at first I was very much the same, like oh somebody needed to die. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I watch it, I'm like, no, I'm perfectly happy with how this has ended. And you know, having it having it be Rocket's story and then kind of retroactively making the trilogy a Rocket trilogy rather than a Star Lord trilogy. Um really really works as well it's a beautiful movie beautiful designs a nice a nice message as well with all the, the uh, animal testing stuff um the scenes of the past with baby rocket i don't want to talk about because i don't want to die inside again um but yeah the the villain the high evolutionary was a comic book villain he was quite clearly evil no redeeming factors we got a classic villain finally that we weren't tried to to make like but he was a classic one-off villain that still um just didn't feel like one and done he really put his everything into that role and just fucking beautiful um really love to hate him um uh, and nothing will hit harder than when rocket lands and says my name's rocket raccoon and fucking blasts him away brilliant um but yeah brilliant movie not gonna can't say anything else what you haven't said i absolutely loved it so that's why it's my number four and i imagine number three and number well the top three is going to be quite close i imagine so, it's similar yeah. i think we know what some of these are going to be um, actually i i'm i think i know your top three i just don't know what order it's going to be in yeah that's what's going to be interesting i think the top three is probably quite obvious um for you yeah so number three is a surprise uh Probably surprising where it's ended up. So my number three is actually Oppenheimer, um, which... Well, let's talk about that again, because it's my number three as well. <laughs> That's good. So that, there's three. We've got three matched. And I reckon we're going to get that fourth one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I would say we're going to get the fourth one. But yeah, Oppenheimer, what a fucking movie this was, man. Like, I had such high expectations going into it, and it somehow lived up to them all. Yeah, I, had, I was like, oh, I'm interested, but I'm not that fussed because I've kind of gone downhill on him since Interstellar and Tenet. Like, I'm not in Dark Knight Rises. I kind of lost a bit of faith in him, but this one really fucking brought it back. Yeah, see, I've never been that big a Nolan guy. Like, I didn't like Tenet at all. No. Um, so I didn't go in because I was excited for Nolan. I went in because I was excited for all the marketing around it about like the, the big scene, like with the, the, the atom bomb and the performances and the stack cast. I was so excited for it all. And like Killian Murphy in the lead, I, I expected big things from him and he still managed to like surpass those for me. Like he is exceptional as um, Oppenheimer. And I, I'll be really surprised if he doesn't win uh, the Oscar for best actor, yeah. uh, like in March, I think it is. Um, like he's incredible but he's not the only one that the entire cast it's so deep like Robert Downey Jr is fucking awesome Florence Pugh's great Emily Blunt's great um, same my boy Matt Damon 
Matt Damon and my other boy Josh Hartnett. He's got a great role. I th- he had a much bigger role than I expected. Hartnett yeah. actually had a really like important part in it. Um, you've got Rami Malek, who old and Aaron Wright. Yeah, um, you've got um, Dave, is it David Crum? Crum, what's his last name? Crum. Ah, oh, fuck, I can't remember. No, was in. Is it Crum Crumaltz or something? Oh yes, uh, guy yeah. from the Santa Claus who played Bernard. <laughs> that's a, yeah, I can't that's, remember his last name. That's all I've got for you. I'm gonna have to have a quick look, but he's fantastic in it as well. Um, just the entire cast is great, and I think it it would have been easy for that to take shine away from the story. But Nolan does such a good job of it, and it feels like I said to you when we talked about this in the past. It feels like almost like a sports movie where. Mm. It was all gradually building to this one main event. And then it comes two thirds into the movie. It doesn't come when you think it will. And that's always the <laughs> Unless you're talking about fucking John Wick, apparently. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we know when that's going. It's David Crum- uh, Crumholtz. Um, but yeah, when we get to it, and it's it's not as wild as I expected, but I think it actually works better that way. Um and just the aftermath and the way you see Oppenheimer dealing with his own realization of the damage he's caused. And yeah, I think my favorite, like everybody I've who I've spoken to that didn't feel as hot on the movie as I did, said that it should have ended there and that the last third of the movie like lost them. That's my favorite part of the movie. And that's mine as well. And I think I've heard very similar criticism of people saying it was too long in the last third fell off a cliff, but I think that's the best part as well. The stuff in the court, yeah. I think, is brilliant. Around the dinner, around that dinner table, and in the court, and like in the in the when he's well, he's not being interrogated, but he is being interrogated. All that stuff, like for me, it's the ending with Emily Blunt that really is the payoff for me. I absolutely fucking love that bit. Like that is the yeah, bitch moment. Like fucking yeah. get it. She turns it on its head like that. It's fucking yeah. awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a great, and even like the ending with um, Albert Einstein, it's so it's so well done. Um, the movie from top to bottom is just incredible. Like and the score, yeah, the score is insane. They're not special effects, but the way they do like the yeah. the the bomb and stuff, it's all so well done, and it doesn't feel like as wild as most Nolan movies do, but it's still like considering the implications, it's fucking crazy. Um, I don't know. You say they don't feel wild, but that bit where he's um, where they're all in the is it the church and they're all like cheering and then oh yeah, the scene when he's imagining he's having yeah he's like having a, a panic attack or whatever and he he's ah oh, so I don't I don't want to say too much because obviously I, don't, I imagine most people have watched it but it's such a yeah it's it's not a film because it's a it's a biography it's one that. To say it's done as well as it, I know everybody else has spoken about it, saying it's done as well as it's done for what it is, uh, is and what it went up against is is just a massive achievement and I can't wait to watch it again. But also don't know if I want to watch it again because, again, I watched it on a massive IMAX screen. I don't know if it's going to be the same um, at home, even if I do have a great, like, you know, pretty decent setup. It's, it's, I just don't think it's the same. No, I agree. Um, but the fact I've only watched it once is why my number two is my number two, and that's Barbie. Which yeah. is fucking crazy. Going into the year, if you'd have told me that I'd have had Barbie 
second in my entire list. It, it would be crazy, but I fucking love that movie. I think yeah, it's we're so talking cool. about number two as well. Is that your number two as well? <laughs> it's fucking awesome. We might it's as well great. say it off the bat. Barbie's great. Like the cast is all absolutely fantastic, and the story, um, which so many like idiots didn't quite grasp when they thought it was like this sexist assault on men where it was actually quite an uplifting message to men and it quite it was quite empowering to men as well as women and um, the story of just like finding your place in the world and finding strength in yourself and that worth without latching on to others I, I actually think it was really well told and it, I can't for the life of me understand why there were so many people that didn't get it um, uh, I can <laughs> fucking... because a lot of people uh, hate women. Let's just yeah. say it how it is. Um, idiots. I think with Barbie as well, like the cast, just like Oppenheimer, like you're never distracted by it. Like you have people like John Cena jump jump in and stuff like that, and like, but you're never distracted by them too much where you kind of go, oh, I'm not like paying attention to the film. Like every time somebody like with Oppenheimer, cast members came in and they were like, Rami Malek is a Oscar winning. Um, actor who's been in massive things obviously Freddie Mercury um and he comes in he's in it for like a minute if two if that and he goes and there's like no massive fanfare or anything like that they just come and go because they serve the story whereas Barbie they kind of do that they have the little wink at the camera but they don't like it's not like oh look who's here kind of thing they're just all there and nobody that like, they don't really play into it too much um but I mean there are two members of the cast that we're obviously going to spend a bit more time on, and that's Margot Robbie as Barbie, and I think Mike, he's Michael Sarah. Yeah, Mike, oh yeah, no, three members of the cast. I'm going to say the other one's me and the other one's you. We're all Ken. Honestly, the whole cast, like Simi, uh, is it Simi? Simi yeah. Lou, is that what it's called? Yeah. He's great. Ryan Gosling's great. America Ferrera's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Like, she's really good. The speech she gives to empower the women, I think he's so good. And like so many people hated on that, but I think it was brilliant. And it's so, it rings so true to what so many women go through. And the soundtrack's incredible. I think the the Ken song is going to live on for a long time. Like it's fucking awesome. But even like the Dua Lipa song in the, the party scene is an absolute yeah. bop. It's so yeah. good. We had to have that at our wedding. It was like, a, yeah, this song's got to be at the wedding kind of thing. And so also, we played I'm Just Ken at the wedding as well. Uh, on the dance floor, me and my niece um, doing all the moves. Because she had awesome. um, like, Yeah, I mean, Michael Sarah, obviously a massive standout in the film. Kate McKinnon is weird Barbie. Love her. Love Kate McKinnon anyway. She's fucking hilarious. Um, but every, like every Barbie and every Ken, all of them um, just... Rhea Pillman is uh, the creator of Barbie at the end. Um, Will Ferrell, who went full Will Ferrell for this movie, yeah. um, he seemed a bit he seemed a bit out of place for the real world, but just seemed just still worked. Um, obviously, the Billie Eilish song. Um, yeah, just, the ending's really emotional. Everything in this, everything works, and I didn't expect to love it as much. I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna enjoy it for sure. But I didn't expect to love it as much as I do. Like we've got the we've got the vinyl, we've got the uh, the fucking we've got it on 4K. We just absolutely love it. Yeah, I bought it for Ellen on uh, DVD, and we literally you watched it. Ellen. You don't have to pretend it's for Ellen. Then. You don't have to pretend it's it was Ellen, it, it was for her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> she had it on the other night, and we were just watched it again, and like it's so funny. 
but also really moving at times. And like to go for the, the ending, which I won't spoil, but it's this, it's such an emotional ending. Like it's the music and the scenes and the way it unfolds. It's so like deeply moving, but then it ends with such a hilarious, like one liner. Like it's, I, I really like it. It's a film. I think this is the, why I've got it above Oppenheimer. I think is because this is so much more rewatchable yeah. and I just know it's going to be a movie that I watch maybe 10 times more than Oppenheimer in my life because yeah. Oppenheimer is such a long movie and it was so well done on the big screen that I'm not in a rush to rewatch it on a smaller screen with Barbie plays well on anything. Um, and because of that, it ranked above it. Nice. Yeah, I agree. Like, in terms of, there's only one film that I would rewatch and um, enjoyed a lot, like, just got more enjoyment out of this year. Uh, but Barbie is, I think it's just, I think it's special. I think it's just very, very special. The yeah. fact that you can do that with a, like, I know everybody's like, oh, but it's, it's not special. It's not got a message. It's just another brand that you pay money into and all that kind of stuff. And like we spoke about it in the like when we did it. It's gonna like we're probably gonna get like a Hot Wheels movie and a fucking Stretch Armstrong movie and a Rubik's Cube movie and all this kind of shit coming off of it. And they they want to do a Barbie too, and nobody else wants to. They want to do a Ken spinoff. I don't think Ryan Gosling's up for it. Um, I spoke to him on the phone. He's not. He's not. He's not yeah. for. Um, we'd speak to you first. We made any sort of decision. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he, he trusts my opinion. Um, uh, but, like, I think it's just the fact that you could take a, a massive brand like Barbie, it could very easily have been turned into something very, like, cheap, but they really, like, went out of the way to make something really special. And I'm so glad that we didn't get Amy Schumer's version of a Barbie movie. Like, yeah, it would have been a completely different thing. Yeah. Margot Robbie was tailor-made for that role. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. And I don't think there's many people on planet Earth that have ever looked better than Margot Robbie does in that movie. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I can tell you one. Me. One. Who? Ken. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling in his, uh, in his roller skate outfit. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, it's just a movie that I don't think I'll ever get tired of watching either. No. So, yeah, if you'd have said to me at the start, even going into the Barbenheimer like, hype, if you'd have said I'd have ranked that above Oppenheimer, I don't think I'd have believed you. So, there we go. I'm going to guess your number one. Well, first, let me get some honourable mentions. Out oh, yeah, get your honourable mentions in. So, honourable mentions. Uh, have you seen the film Sick? No. So that was a film that came out at the start of the year, and it's it's a slasher movie written by the guy that, did, that wrote the first uh, few screams. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Williamson. And uh, I think about, have I mentioned it to you? Yeah, I think so. Well, I mean, two on. girls in COVID that go stay in like a log cabin place, yeah. and um, intruders come. And the reason why is really like as it unravels, like as they fight fending them off, is really well done. That's a fun movie. Uh, Scream Six, I really enjoyed, even though I thought the plot was very predictable. I did enjoy it, so I have to mention that. Um, the Ben Affleck movie that I mentioned. Um, the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon movie, sorry, that I mentioned, that Affleck directed uh, the Michael, the one about Michael Jordan and Nike signing the shoe uh, deal with him that eventually changed the course of like the company's entire like yeah. future. Um, that's got to be up there. Um, I'm trying to think of different ones that I've watched now. My mind's just gone blank. Let me just double check what I had down on my letterbox because I can't remember shit right this second. So you can let, do you want to do some honourable mentions while I look? Yeah, I got um, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning on there. Uh, Fablemans, because I remembered it came out in the UK this year. Oh, shit, yeah. Fablemans and Babylon. 
Fucking love them both. Yeah, they'd both be a man. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, really enjoyed that. Um, that came out this year. Um, but I, if I'm being honest, I only loved it for the Peaches song. Uh, there's a lot to love about that movie, but it didn't quite make the list. Um, indie this year, uh, I really enjoyed, but I don't think it was as good as uh, I wanted it to be. And then I told you about it when it came out, um, but there was a documentary called Welcome to the Darkness, which is about the band The Darkness, and it's probably the the most I've laughed at a film all year, but uh, yeah, it didn't quite compare to everything else on the list. Yeah, uh, other ones that I've got is Joyride, which was a, a comedy about, oh, yeah, yeah. which was really funny about the Asian woman going to find her birth parents and discovering her background and stuff. That was great. Um, I really liked, surprisingly, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah, really good. I did. Um, I really liked that. I liked the. It's another documentary which I, I mean I couldn't have had two on, but I really liked the Wham documentary that Netflix did because I used to really like Wham. Um, I'm a big fan of their music, so getting to like see the insight into those the, those guys during their time together. Obviously, George Michael isn't with us, but Andrew Ridgely still is. So just hearing yeah. about their time together and stuff, and the stories behind like the Christmas number, like when he wrote Last Christmas, and he was convinced it was going to be a Christmas number one, and then Band Aid contacted him to help them with that song the same year and he was like fuck he knew immediately <laughs> that he'd lost it to Band-Aid like it's so well done which is nice because this year it was Christmas yeah. number one all these years later um, I really liked the Haunted Mansion movie which I was fortunate enough to go to the I think, I think you're just being biased on that one no I was fortunate to go to the premiere with uh, a lovely friend of ours who took me so I'm very grateful for that because I liked that and I've watched that twice since it's actually my second most watched film this year so um, yeah I really liked that as well and there's probably loads more, but I can't really remember any. Well, the fact that one of them isn't on your honourable mention means I definitely know what number one is. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. My number one, to the surprise of no one, is a film that I was most excited for going into the year. Um, even above Oppenheimer and Barbie, above Barbenheimer, there was one film which I've been waiting for for fucking years because this first spoke about a few years ago, and it, this before. I mean, I'll give it away who did it, but before The Irishman, they spoke about this movie and they spoke about the stars and the fact that it'd be two of the greatest actors of all time starring in a movie as adults together for the very first time. And that is Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon by Martin Scorsese, which I fucking loved. Like, the biggest compliment I give this film... I said, I still haven't seen it, so I'm going to let you gush for a moment. Yeah, the biggest compliment I can give about this film is it's over three hours long, and I said to uh, Bernie when we watched it in the IMAX, it felt like 90 minutes. Like, yeah. it just whipped by for me. I know a lot of people disagree with that. Some people have said it's too long. But I say let Martin Scorsese spend as much time as he wants making a fucking film because he's a master at the craft. Uh, it's a completely different Leo performance to anything I've ever seen, but it was really well done. De Niro, again, is always top-notch. I love that man so much. Like, it upsets me how old he is these days because I know we're not getting many more top yeah. performances like this, but he's really good in this. The standout is Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly Burkhart, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's wife, and she's the Native American who's, like, at the centre of all these, like, crimes that are happening to her family and the people around her. Um, and Lily Gladstone's performance is absolutely exceptional. Like, if she's not, even if she's not at least nominated for an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, 
I imagine it will be best supported. It won't be main. But if she's not even nominated, I'll be shocked because she is absolutely insane. Um, the music's incredible. The action scenes, while not as extravagant as we've seen in the past, because of the time period, it's not the same sort of like gun shootout explosions that we've seen from Scorsese before, but it's all so well done. The cinematography and like the way it's shot, the land, it all looks beautiful. Like, I can't wait to rewatch this one. Um, and I probably will. I mean, I know it's long, and I but I will probably re watch this several times, like yeah. almost immediately after it is made available on streaming. Um, because it's on Apple now, but you've got to pay for it right now, so oh, okay. But fuck me, is it good? I'm not giving anything away. Um, Brendan Fraser comes in for one of the wildest cameos you've ever seen in your life. Oh, really? I didn't he even comes know. in and he's just fucking firing off all cylinders, like it's completely different to the rest of the movie. Like, everyone's quite subdued. He comes in. Guns blazing, like he's shouting and stuff. It's completely, it's it's wild, but I love him, so I accept it. Um, Jesse Plemons, great. Just the entire cast is fantastic, and I love Kills of the Flower Moon. Like, love, love, love it. Love Martin Scorsese, and having built this legacy where he's made so many films with De Niro, and then after so long he switched and started making films with Leo, and now he's brought it together to make one with both of them. It didn't disappoint. It was worth the hype and the way and yeah, I love it. And you need to watch it. I'm going to as soon as I can. I'm gutted that I missed it in the IMAX. Uh, I really wanted to watch it in there. I completely just didn't get time. Um, but yeah, I will 100% be watching it. I know how much you love it because um, you have not shut up talking about it every time I talk to you. <laughs> um, but yeah. Poster as well somewhere. Uh, so I'll be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be watching that at some point. Um, Probably not going to pay for it, but I'll watch it when it comes to the like, proper full streaming rather than paid streaming. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one of them that I know is going to be good because, well, I trust your opinion and everybody else has said it's good. So I'm sure it's sure it's going to be up there, but I'll get around to it. Can you guess my number one? Yeah, I can, as it was your most watched film of the year. I fucking loved it. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. I like. I've always been a, a Turtles kid. I love the original movie. Um, growing up with the Turtles, so always loved them anyway. But this for Turtles did what Spider Verse did for Spider Man a couple of years ago, and that's why it's a lot higher than it's across the Spider Verse is because this feels like something completely new for for that franchise and the art style. Whereas Spider Verse went like crazy and like kinetic and fast. This one has made things like it feels like a 90s underground comic book. It's ugly to look at at times, but beautiful at the same time. It's rough. It feels hand-drawn. It's a really strange art style that I can't explain. You just kind of have to see. The action in it is... There's a moment, there's one scene in, it in particular that really, really is probably one of the best action scenes. And I'm not just saying it because I love the turtles, but it's one of the best action scenes of all this this year including stuff from john wick and you know how i felt about john wick um is uh, it's a lot of comedy it's a lot of heart um jackie chan is splinter um actual teenagers as the ninja turtles it's got a massive star sort of cast with like paul rudd um john cena uh, seth rogan <clears throat> massive massive cast and again doesn't take away um doesn't take away anything from the story by having all these different cast members in. Um, really, really funny, really, really full of heart, beautiful to look at. Great 
great great soundtrack and again opened up for for more to come and i it's one of them where i i want more as soon as it finished i was like i either need to watch this again or i need the sequel to be released tomorrow because it's fucking uh, amazing i talked about most of it in the last episode but absolutely love this movie i think it being number one is a combination of finally getting a good movie because obviously we had the michael bay movies we've had kind of subpar movies since the first one in the 90s uh, finally getting a really good movie that like does that Spider-Verse kind of humour, um, but also has the turtles at heart and leans more into the mutants and the, the different creatures of the um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe than just having Shredder again, because uh, he's not in it. So, and that plays for a lot of like interesting new things. And then it kind of ends with a different take on the turtles, which has never been seen before, which opens up a lot of, a lot of new doors. So really looking forward to that, but yeah, I, like it's my most watched film of the year. I've rewatched it more times than any other film this year, and I could go and put it on now and watch it, and then wake up and watch it again tomorrow. I absolutely love it. So that's why it's my number one of the year. Two very different number ones of the year, though. Yeah, yeah they couldn't be more different at all. Um, but like I said in the last episode, I I used to love the turtles, so I do plan on watching that movie, but I haven't yet. Um, but yeah, it's not a bad shout. I mean, I shouldn't have expected it really because you did say it was your most watched, so that makes sense that it would be your favourite. Um, but yeah, some good, some top, some good list there. We only we crossed on four. We we got the prediction right. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. Well, we would have got five if you remembered the whale came out this year. Yeah. Well, to be fair, even my list might have been very different if I realised the whale came out because then I'd have also remembered Fablemans and Babylon, and I think at least one of them would definitely have been in my list because I love both those movies. Um, Fable Woman's uh, really, really enjoyed Fable Woman's. Yeah. Have you watched Babylon? Not yet. No, that's incredible as well. That's worth watching. Um, but yeah, some good lists there. Um, randomly, because I've just thought of this now, I can't really remember too much that's coming out next year, this, like, in 2024, so I'm not going to ask for many, but is there one film you're looking forward Ghostbusters. to? Sorry, sorry, did I shout that too loud? Ghostbusters. Is it? Is that the one <laughs> yeah, you're most looking forward absolutely. to? That and Doom Part 2, they're the two, but Ghostbusters is... Yeah, I can't wait for that. That the fact that he got taken away from me this year kills me inside. But I'm so yeah. looking forward to it. Yeah, I think that'd be good because I, I quite liked the uh, Afterlife one. Mm. That was really well done, and it looks like they're actually going to play a bigger role in this one. The original cast. Yeah, it looks like they're coming back and having it a bit more than just the ending. So hoping, hoping they don't try and kill anybody off. Oh God, yeah, fucked up. Bill Murray, he'll be the first one to go. Fuck, don't say that. That's my goal. <laughs> Not Frank Cross. But... <laughs> what about for you? What's your number one for next year? This year? Uh, I mean, it's quite bad because I my mind's gone blank of anything that's coming out. So I'm going to go with the one. The what? You asked me the question. You know, but I can only think of one, which is why I said name one and not. Uh, okay. Yeah. I can only name you one because I can't remember anything else that's coming out. Um, but the Iron Claw for me, which is out in America right now, and oh, we get it in February. I am fucking hyped. I know I'm going to cry like a bitch um, because it's obviously a true story based on the Von Erich family. So I already know a lot of what to expect, but I've even so many good things about it from like critics in America. Apparently Zac Efron's fantastic. Uh, and I love me some Zac. Always do. Can never go wrong with Mr. Efron. Um, so yeah, I am looking forward to the Iron Claw more than anything right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that too as well, to be fair. Not really my time usually, but 
I've seen, I watched the trailer for it the other day and looks genuinely really good. So looking forward to watching that. Yeah, me too. Well, that's another episode to end then. That's our, our 10 best movies of 2023. Best um, 2024. Yeah, 2024 is here. Um, hopefully, the list that we come up with at the end of this year is oh, just as good. <laughs> just as good. Fingers crossed. I mean, there's no Scorsese coming. Uh, I'll so, tell you now. Number one, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Shit, I'll, I'll be blinded by the love. So I can't, like I said, I can't remember what's coming out, so I just know it's, it's going to be some random shit that I've never even heard of. It's going to be on my top 10 this time next year. Yeah, probably. We'll see. We'll soon see. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed that, guys. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can just follow the usernames underneath here when Nathan puts them, which I always remember now. Um, and if you are watching on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe to the channel and like the video. Um, whereas if you're on the podcast, like, networks uh please feel free to subscribe to the channel and leave us a nice review talking about oh yeah talking about give us five stars i thought you were talking about your hand then yeah talk about five stars <laughs> talking about your hand. <laughs> yeah give us a nice five star because otherwise don't bother there's no point yeah what's the point but uh we hope you enjoyed that and i'm not quite sure what we're doing next no me neither but we'll be back soon i'm sure yeah, we'll be back next week with a, another brand new episode. Um, back to Thursday schedule. Yeah, it's been a bit wild recently. We've been, on, we've been all over the place. Um, but yeah, we'll figure it out off camera because we haven't actually discussed what's next because we <laughs> love to plan ahead. Um, but yeah, we shall see you soon. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Happy New Year. Hope 2024 is sick. And I hope you are glad 2023 is over. I am. Um, bring on Ghostbusters. Peace out. Yeah. <laughs>